This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Argyle Chat. It looked unsure at times, but the Pilgrims came from behind to beat Crew 2-1 and go top of the table as Doncaster slipped at home to Exeter on Saturday. Joining me this morning as ever are Chris Errington and Baron Cross. Good morning. Morning, good Jack. Good morning, Jack. Both had a good weekend? I think so, yeah. Saturday wasn't too shabby. Um, yeah, we're in here on Bank Holiday Monday and we're cracking on. We've got a, a 20-page promotion supplement to uh, add to our workload this week, so... Uh, I hope you brought your sleeping bags in, lads, and, um, <laughs> but it'll be good. 20 pages about next Monday, I think, won't it? So, um, you know, hopefully uh, everyone will get a chance to see it and buy it, and uh, you'll enjoy the content that we're going to keep hold of it. It'll be something to look back on, It'll sure. be a good yeah, souvenir definitely. to have of, of what's been a great season. So, uh, that's it. The final home game at Home Park is, has finished. Um, um, it's been played, and as expected, crew won pushovers on Saturday. No, they certainly won't. Um, they got the early goal, didn't they? And then that gave them something to fight for, and uh, as you would expect from crew they were a decent football side played some good football um, George Cooper who um, Derek Adams had highlighted before the game was a very good player up front for them movement and pace Chris Dagnall caused Argyle problems um, I think half time came you know crew would have been quite happy just to carry on playing the game uh, the second half they weren't quite as much on the front foot they started to defend the lead they had and Argyle did go a bit direct they put Blissett and Taylor up front tried to bully the, the two crew makeshift centre-backs, and in the end, it, it paid off for them. And Baron, do you, do you think, from what you've seen of crew, I know, I know it, it's games aren't played on paper, but do you think they look like a team that where, they, where they are on the table in, 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 that, in that game? Maybe? No, I mean, I, I think during the, during the match, I made the point to Chris that um, if they added a little bit of experience, Chris made the counterpoint that crew don't tend to go for experienced players. Mm-hmm. They like to produce their own talent, yeah. which is fair enough, but I felt if they did add one or two more experienced heads with a little bit more nous um, to the undoubted technical ability um, that their youngsters have. And they could very much put, put up a, uh, a fight for promotion next season in League Two because uh, they were that good in the first half. Very, very impressed with their technical, slick passing display. Mm. Uh, passed Argyle off the park at times in the first half. And no matter how much Argyle pressed as the home team, crew found their way out of those, those tight corners that Argyle were putting them in. So plenty for, for them to look positive. Absolutely, I think season. David Artel said as much after the match as well to, uh, to the assembled media. I think he seems quite optimistic. Um, and I think looking back on Saturday, despite the fact they lost, I'd be optimistic as well. I mean, they, mm. they did look very good. So as long as they can keep hold of those talented players, like Chris says, the likes of George Cooper will certainly have suitors in the summer. Um, I, th- I think one or two of them were loanees. I think Callum Cook played yeah. quite well enough. He's from Middlesbrough. So I mean, they, if, if they can replace or retain those people next season, then they've got a very good shout. And it was goals from Ryan Taylor and Nathan Blissett in the second half that got Argyle the win. Chris, I know Derek Hammond spoke to you about Nathan Blissett last week, um, and all he can do, I suppose, is take his chances, which he's done a few times. You know, come off the bench against Wickham uh, and on Saturday. How do you think he did, and how do you compare that to you sort of your discussions? With well, Derek it was Adams? interesting. We talked about Derek Adams, uh, talked about Nathan Blissett with Derek Adams, and he said he was improving all the time, and he'd had a difficult transition 
making the step up from National League to top of League Two, and, and yet you can understand that it would take time to adjust. Um, but he has, you know, when you look back at the end of the season, he got them a point at Wickham, which was uh, an important point at that stage of the season because Argyle were just sort of were they or weren't they going to sort of fall away, and that was an important draw that day. And then obviously to get the winning goal on Saturday and put them top of the table was, um, you know, really good for for Nathan and for for Argyle. I was talking to Sonny Bradley after the game on Saturday, and he he made the point he was really pleased for for Nathan because he he felt that Nathan's been a bit unlucky not to get more game time, and he said you know whenever you know he's he's not been in the team he's never complained he's never moaned he's just got on and worked away and worked away and he got his chance on Saturday classic centre forward goal wasn't it I mean a lovely ball yes. from Graham Carey an old fashioned number nine would have loved that ball coming in. Um, it was quite funny because Nathan said, you know, he didn't really aim it, it just, he, he <laughs> it and he powered it in yeah. and it would have taken some saving, um, you know, by the goalkeeper. So good for him. Um, variations, it's always good to have variations in a squad. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that, you know, in League One next season, Argyle are going to play direct and play long balls and, and look to hit a striker like they did with Nathan Bissett. But... There might be games against certain opposition at certain stages in the game where you need a big battering ram. You know, someone that's going to really unsettle our yeah. opposition defence where, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to go, you're just going to launch the ball forward and hope you can play off a big battering ram and drop something drops for a teammate. And that's where Nathan Blissett might have a role to play next season. On, on what we've seen so far, is he going to start every week in League One? You, you would think not at the moment. But I, I can see him having a role to play next season. But all he can do is try and impress when he does get the chance. And we've seen it time and time again where strikers only get you know 20 minutes here and there. And they can't do that. So it must be good for his confidence. We've spoken about confidence for strikers so many times. And his confidence must be quite high at the moment. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you, Baron? Mm. I mean, you know, two goals. And he's only had one start and seven sub-appearances. I mean, you know, all you can do is whenever you get on that pitch, you know, to my mind, you've got to be looking to impress mm. and say, look, this is why I should be in the starting lineup. And you might only get five or ten minutes here, there, and, and, and whatever. But at some stage, if you keep performing as a substitute, you will get in the team. And we've spoken about you know about the first half wasn't particularly good for Argyle. No, we were pretty much all no, over them. But Derek Adams changed it up at half time and brought Blissett on to join Taylor up front. Baron, did it work? Um, yes, I think I think um, you, when you look at the result, you you would certainly give it Derek Adams credit and say that it did work because of course Nathan Blissett was a substitute and he scored the winning goal, so you'd have to say it worked to some degree. Derek himself admitted after the match that they went a little bit too direct, so that they were pumping up a little bit too frequently to mm-hmm. Taylor and, and Blissett, completely missing out on the midfield. And although they had the height advantage, they, they weren't quite cr- sort of crafting the chances they wanted. So um, I recall uh, Adams pushing Kennedy right the way out to the touchline on the left-hand side, deliberately pulling him over away from everybody else, just completely isolated him down the left in a clear attempt to increase the number of balls going down the left channel for Kennedy to put crosses in. And um, as it turned out, both goals came um, in, in one way or another from the left because obviously the, the corner that resulted in Taylor's goal actually came from a Kennedy cross on the left for Blissett to, um, to force a save out of Garrett for the corner. So, yes, I think you would say it did work, um, but um, I think Adams accepted it wasn't perfect. They were probably a little bit too direct at times. Um, I don't think they dominated crew in the second half. I, I think they, they certainly had the better of the ball, but I don't think they. I don't remember a lot of chances. I think they they scored the two, and I think there was possibly one other with, with Blissett getting the header, which was was pushed over with a spectacular save. But I don't think they created lots of chances. Some fans of as we as we've discussed in this podcast before have debated whether we should have two up front. Yeah. Does this strengthen that argument? Do you think or or, or not? 
Not for me. I mean, they, they people would say that if you look at it on paper alone, you would say they went to two up front and then they won the game. But so like Chris says, it, I think over a over a course of a season, if you if you're playing it week in week out, I don't think it would work, no. And Chris, do you have any idea of what Derek Adams is like at halftime? Because we've seen a number of times this season where Argyle haven't possibly performed the best in the first half, and the second half they've almost been a different team. Do you have any indications of what he's like at? No, at not really. I mean, uh, you ask players sometimes, you know, what's what's the manager said at halftime, and um, you know, I think he's normally um, quite controlled and um, you know makes his points. I mean, it was interesting how quick the players were out for the start of the second half on Saturday. Um, so I don't imagine he said a lot to them at half-time then because um, they were out a long time before crew. Um, I can't imagine he was pleased um, because it was a poor first-half performance and he'd made it abundantly clear before the game that the, the title was what he was all about. He wasn't content just to, to play out the, the final two games. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine there might have been some fairly strong words spoken but I get the impression that generally he's, he's, he's not really a ranter and a raver, although if he needs to make a point, I think he can do it in a fairly, without shouting, but I think he can make it you know, to the point. He gets respect to the players, clearly. Absolutely. And, you know, some managers rant and rave all the time, but um, you know, as with a lot of things, if, if, if you hear that week after week after week, it, it ends up going in one ear and coming out the other ear. Mm. And you know, sometimes you're best to you know, say, choose the right moment. If you're going to have a... You know, have a few words with players, choose your right moment, not do it constantly. And Richie, PAFC has um, got in touch and he said, do you agree it's futile for managers to remonstrate with a fourth official for long periods of time? Is it ever productive? The crew manager was doing this for long periods of time. I'm not sure it means you're concentrating on the game. Any, any opinions on that? Yes, it, happens, yes. it happens a lot, doesn't it? I have, I have a very strong opinion on that, yes. um, <laughs> Throughout Throughout the match, I've, I've not noticed myself do it before, but um, throughout this match, I couldn't help but pay attention to David Artel, who, who was very, he was gesticulating very strongly with the fourth, fourth official throughout the match. Mm. And at one stage, uh, we, we are led to believe from uh, touchline sources that Artel may well have been sort of considered to be to be sent away to the stands. I know the referee did go over to him at one point. Such was the strength of, of his um, of his protest. And I think, like you say, Trevor Kettle, I think at one stage did get a little bit fed up with it. So to answer Richie Piercy's question, um, is it futile? Um, in my opinion, yes, but I've never been a football manager. So I don't really know what goes on on the touchline and, and, and how that relationship works between manager, fourth official and referee and, and how much of that how many of those complaints actually in any way at all affect the referee? I, 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 from where we sit, I don't see how at all the referee would, would listen to the fourth official saying we should give this manager a bit more, bit more of um, leeway in the, in the decisions they're giving during the match because he's, he's, um, he's bending my ear all match. So no, I, I, yes, I think it's futile and no, I don't think it's productive. But like I said, I've not, never been a football manager so I don't know over, over time whether it has worked. But Derek Adams... Is guilty himself of getting uh, a bit. Uh, a bit he, he has um, all, all managers do. I mean, I, I think in general, you know, if you're manager as a player, if your manager's on the touchline, um, jumping around, remonstrating with the fourth official, with the linesman, with the referee, I, I think it's a distraction for a player, and um, you know, almost an excuse for the player to sort of feel well. You know, if the, um, the manager's unhappy with decisions and whatever, then, then I am as well, and, and perhaps the players lose concentration, lose discipline. So. I think it's always better if you can keep your emotions under control and focus on the game. But we all know that football is a passionate game, and there will be times when you stood on the touchline and you were grieved about something, and you're going to let people know. But I, I've got to admit, you know, David Artel was probably one of the most animated I've seen on the touchline in a long time. And mm. um, does that allow you to concentrate on the game? No, it doesn't. So, 
but I'm not picking on him because I think all managers do it. There, Adams yeah. does it at times. Everyone does it. I think it's just get it off their chest, isn't it? They want it, somebody to shout at. It is, but uh, I mean that's where me personally, I just don't see the point of a fourth official because all the fourth official ends up doing is being somebody that gets absolutely yes. battered by yes. both managers. Yeah. And he's he's almost like a sort of uh, you know he, he just gets it both barrels and it's nothing to do with him. I'm sure by the time he, he gets can do no right. The fourth no. official can do no, no right. I'm sure his ears are ringing by the time he gets yeah. home as well. Yeah. Um, and there were some loud cheers at Home Park when it was announced that Exeter had beaten Doncaster 3-1 on Saturday. Nice evolutions to help the Pilgrims out. I don't think I've ever seen uh, so many Argyle fans hoping Exeter would win. That was a strange one, wasn't it? But um, not a total surprise, to be fair. I mean, Exeter's away form is uh, almost as good as Argyle's, isn't it? You know, and uh, you know, to go to Doncaster and win 3-1. Um, I saw the goals. There was a couple of good goals in there as well. And, um, yeah, I mean... We talked about this last week, didn't we, in the podcast? Mm. And, and you know, would it be good for Argyle for Exeter to be promoted? Um, we may well find out. We we may well find out because looking at it, if I was any, you know, I would not want to play Exeter in the playoffs. No. If I was a Luton or a Blackpool or a Cambridge, because they're good away from home, they score goals, they've got some really good attacking players, they seem to defend well. I mean, you know, Argyle fans may or may not like hearing this, may not may not agree, but. You know, trying to be objective about it, I, I think Exeter would have to go into the fight, uh, into the playoffs. Uh, I've got a really, really good chance of getting promoted. Mm. And even though it pains me to say it as an Argyle fan, you've got to give credit where credit's due. And they were bottom yeah. of the table in November, yeah. Baron. It's been it's quite just, incredible, isn't it? Uh, astonishing, yeah. I mean, yesterday, yeah, I was sort of combing through social media looking for some of the reaction to, to the weekend's results. And um, a lot of the Exeter chatter was, uh, was about the rise, mm. really, and the fact they've stuck with Paul Tisdale. They, like you say, they were bottom of the table in November, and they're now. Fifth and secured in the play, in the League Two playoffs, it, it, it is quite astonishing. And I so think. many clubs would have axed their manager in that situation. Oh, absolutely. Well, well I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I can't say I'm um, particularly up to date with Paul Tisdale's contract situation, but certainly uh, there was a lot of sounds coming out of even the most diehard Tisdale supporters saying, you know, you've been here quite a while. Maybe it's time you moved on because we're at danger of slipping out of the football league here. But fair play to him. But he always said, didn't he? He always said at the start of the season about the injuries and they yeah. came back. And yeah. I think in League Two, especially when maybe squads aren't so big, that really can't happen. Derek Allen made the point, hasn't he? Several times about last season, Chris with Plymouth Argyle, and he, I think looking back on it, he he reflects and says that Argyle slipped out of the top few because of injuries. So, like you say, Jack, I think mm. especially at this level of football, if you do lose those two or three star players then it does make a big big difference Martel mentioned it at the weekend didn't he they've got a few defenders missing yes and, and absolutely, well, absolutely right Jack I mean I think that's possibly why, why Blissett and Taylor work so well mm. because they are playing their fifth and sixth choice centre backs who, who aren't even centre backs yeah. really it's a central midfielder and a, and a full back I believe so absolutely right mate um, when you're missing that, that level of quality it makes a big difference and weeks ago Derek Adams said the title race was over but I think we all knew how ambitious and competitive he was mm. um, Mind games, did they work? Has Doncaster been on a poor run? Are gone now top? It's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, um, I don't suppose we're surprised that Derek Adams has now owned up to the fact that he didn't believe that Argyle's <laughs> title chances were over and he was trying to put, to, you know, he said he felt he had to do it because he wanted to put Doncaster under pressure. I, I, I don't know if, if I was a Doncaster player, if I would, if I felt under pressure because Derek Adams had said we were going to win the league title. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, again, this goes back to we've not been a professional football player, but I, I, I don't think I would feel under pressure just because, well, the Plymouth manager says we're going to win the title, so I feel under pressure now. So, a, do you think it's just a pressure of the situation itself rather than...? I, I think it, it, it creates sort of chatter and talk and, and things like that, and it does make good column inches for newspapers, mm. you know, in Plymouth and, and up in South Yorkshire as well, and 
it keeps the pot boiling. But you know, I don't think when a player goes out on a pitch, um, he'll be sat stood there thinking just before kickoff, or oh, I feel a bit under more under more pressure because Derek Adams mm. says we're going to win the league. They, they've just had a blip, and I mean, Doncaster have had a fantastic season, and and for most of the season, I mean, they were easily the most consistent team, and that's why they were top of the table. They've just hit a blip at a, a poor time in terms of you know, trying to win the title. Um, you know, maybe now they're second, you know, the pressure will be off them and, you know, they'll go to Hartlepool on Saturday and, and, and get a win and, and then see, see where that takes them. But, um, no, you know, Derek Adams, again, think, think back of the time he would have spent as a kid in the company of Sir Alex Ferguson. And this is a sort of Sir Alex Ferguson ploy, isn't it? You know, the mind games. So ironic, isn't it, given that it's Sir Alex's son. Exactly. And Adams may well be using some mm. of the lessons that he picked up off Fergie against his own son. It, it's, it's amazing subplot. It, it's great. And, you know, Baron and I were talking about this after the game on Saturday. You know, Doncaster and Argyle next season, however this pans out mm. and who wins the title, there's going to be a little bit of, you know, um, afters, shall we say, next season. <laughs> You've got the, the Adams and Ferguson thing. We've already got a bit of a rivalry going with Portsmouth, um, you know, and, and if Exeter come up as well, there's going to be some some quite, you know, tasty, you know, attractive games to, to look up to, not just only on the pitch, but with the characters off the pitch as well. And some good teams going up into that league, isn't it? That should make the league a, a bit more, with mm. like Sheffield United and Bolton leaving, yes. Portsmouth and Argyle. And, Don, and Doncaster, three big teams mm. to go up into that league from League Two. Doncaster have been in the Championship in recent yeah. history, so they're, they're very capable. And we all know about Portsmouth. Mm. And Wigan and Rotherham are, are relegated, so they'll be in League One. Rotherham, I think, will throw some money at it and, yeah. and have a good go at it next season. And then you're looking at one out of um, probably Forest or Blackburn. Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Based you know, on the fixtures, it looks like it could be Blackburn. Could be Blackburn, but mm. you know. So, uh, so again, you know, some big teams coming down. And go, going back to the title for a second, mm. I saw a piece I think you did, Baron, at the weekend. Yes. Darren Ferguson has now conceded defeat in the title race. <laughs> well, is it, that his last it, attempt at unsettling our goal? You've structured the questions very well, Jack, because we've, we've gone from Derek Adams' mind games to <laughs> yeah. Darren Ferguson's mind games, and I think it, it is one last desperate roll of the dice. You can I cannot imagine no. how that dressing room must have felt on after the extra game. I, I just my mind cannot fathom. The, the run they have been on and the, the position they were in and to now be one point behind on the final game of the season of all times to relinquish top spot. So we don't, we don't know the, the mechanics and the timings of things but Ferguson has clearly probably had five minutes to think, right, what on earth am I going to do in the next seven days mm-hmm. to give us any chance of winning this league? And, I, and ironically, I mean, he's obviously spent more time with Sir Alex than any other football manager in, um, in the EFL. So, I mean... Perhaps he's drawn upon that experience and thought, this is all I can do is say that and hope that Argyle go to Grimsby mm. and be overconfident and, and underestimate Grimsby. So, I mean, you'd, I ha- you'd have to see it in that way. I don't believe for a single minute that Darren Ferguson doesn't think his team can still win the title. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, Argyle are in pole position now, mm. but there's no way he's given up on winning the title. No, he's dad Sir Alex Ferguson, for goodness sake. Do you think, he was, do you think he was blocking the calls from his dad on Saturday night? It's <laughs> no, interesting, isn't it? There's no, there's no way he will have given up on it. And it, it, it's like Baron said, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. Do anything you can yeah. to try and, and put a bit of pressure on the opposition. Because, you know... Yeah, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's it's my games. But well, I mean, what we've not mentioned, um, Portsmouth for City. They've got a right sharp point. Right, they're they? two points behind at home to Cheltenham. We've just stayed up, so Cheltenham got nothing to play for. Portsmouth win that games. game. Then all they all they need to do is for Argyle and Doncaster not to win, yeah. and 
but both of those two teams were away, and all of a sudden, because they've not Paul's been spoken about the they've not been spoken about as champions at all this season. Have they, 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 they've amazing they've been, they amazing. They have been on a really good run lately, and um, you know, I, you, you can't possibly rule Portsmouth out. I think Paul Cook will be going into that game very happy that, that he's not being talked about as, as one of the teams. Absolutely, really. and the bookies must be terrified yeah. because every year Pompey the favourites, and this year you, you know, they could do it. And we'd all. Uh, Paul Cook, Darren Ferguson would want to be in Argyle's position because it's in yeah. their own control. But Portsmouth are sat there in third place, and, and I would, no pressure I'd be really thinking we could do, we could do this. Well, this leads quite nice on to a question presented mm. from Martin Jones. So thank you for the question, Martin. He said, "Who is under the most pressure? Argyle because we're top, Doncaster because they look like they've blown it, mm. or Portsmouth because they have the easiest game at home in front of a sellout crowd, and mm. all they have to do is win." Well, I suppose if you get the first, you know, if you get the first goal in the game, that, that deals with a lot of the pressure. Are Argyle under pressure? I mean, they'll be under pressure because they want to, they want a, a title and they want um, a trophy and a, a title winner's medal. Um, but can you be under pressure when something's in your own control? You know, they can... Doncaster and Portsmouth can do nothing about it if Argyle go and win the game. So there's pressure, but I suspect it's pressure just the players wanting to get over the finish line and achieve what they've you know, been trying to do for... For most, if not all, of the season. Baron, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really well-worded question. I think every team's got a reason to feel the pressure. I think um, it's, it's such a strange one with Doncaster because it's, it's such a strange mentality that they, they will have now because they will feel like they're blowing it, but also now they're in second. Could that pressure There's a little them, bit yeah. less pressure because yeah. technically they've got mm. nothing to throw away now because mm. if they have, mm. if they are going to throw away, then they've technically mm. already done it. So... I think if, if you had to pick one, then yes, I would, I would say Argyle, but it's, it's, it's a close run thing. But like, like Chris says, it, hopefully it'll be a good kind of pressure. But, but I think being top in your own hands, yeah. I think that, that, that does create the most pressure. I think. But winning promotion isn't a bad fullback, is it, for any no. of these teams? No, no, yeah. Especially Portsmouth and Argyle, who have been in this league for quite a while now, mm. they'll just be happy to be out of it, won't they? Yeah, yeah, Doncaster so. doing very well to go back up first time of asking. Yeah, no, the, the worst thing that can happen is that Argyle are going to get promoted on set, officially. Finally, at the end of a 46-game, yeah. be be promoted, but which would have all snapped up at the start. Absolutely, yeah. it's, mm. it's in their hands. They've got a great away record this season. You know, they're they're strong. They've been strong away from home all season. Look at you know recent times. They've gone to Doncaster and won. They've gone to Portsmouth and and slugged out a one-one draw and a real thriller. So you know, if they can get results at Doncaster and Portsmouth. If they go and do what they've done for most of the season, they'll be absolutely fine. And Argyle's game hasn't been picked for television. That was a debating point. Just very quickly, I mean, mm. is it really a surprise when Doncaster and Hartlepool, who are playing each other, both have, have something to play for in that game? No, I, I don't think We're so. We're biased, aren't we? Uh, people um, in Plymouth. I mean, if you're the neutral. I think, I think you have to pick the one that's got more, more yeah. riding on it. If you're going to pick a D2 game, yeah. you can imagine the narrative. They can mm. sort of spin it both ways. Both managers will have something to say about it. Both sets of fans will... Be sort of building the atmosphere as it were if you went to Grimsby Grimsby can be feeling quite flat and if Argyle go and get a regulation 2-0 win then it's sort of it's done and dusted isn't it? at least at Doncaster you can sort of maybe split the Argyle game I mean they may well have a pitch side reporter at Argyle they did it for League 1 they mm. had someone at Fleetwood doing a split screen and yeah. stuff and sort of play it off that way I think from a TV point of view you can see they've got two teams that have got something at stake the other two games Argyle and Portsmouth there's only one team with something yeah. at stake so I it's, it's disappointing because Argyle fans, you know, that can't get to the game won't be able to see the game yeah. live. But you know, you can see why Sky are doing it. Another question sent in to us from Michael. He said, "If Argyle beat Grimsby, should Argyle be presented with a trophy at Grimsby or at the parade on Monday?" I think um, uh, 
saw a, a few posts on social media about this a couple of weeks ago when there was the possibility Argyle are, are in the running still. And I think I'm pretty sure last season Sean Harvey said something along the lines of um, the EFL will now not make any sort of effort to present league titles to teams at away grounds yeah. at whatever stage of the season that happens. Yeah. So, I didn't realise that. I, I mean, I, we obviously don't work for the EFL and we don't know what conversations go on behind the scenes and whether there is the opportunity to any special dispensation, but I find it hard to believe that they will take it all the way to Grimsby when it, it could be any one of three teams winning it. When, when Argyle got, got a parade on Monday. No, I suppose it's one, one for us to check during the course of the week with the EFL about what might happen. I suppose if you think about Doncaster up at Hartlepool and Argyle at Grimsby, that's not a million miles away from each other, whether they could have a car or something like that hovering sat, around. Sat at York. Sat at uh, Hartlepool, something like that. Check yeah. out in a parachute. Um, and then you could get from from, from there to, to both grounds reasonably quickly. Obviously, if Portsmouth won it, then that would be a, <laughs> would be a bit more difficult. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. But um, in theory, I don't see why you couldn't have the trophy um, somewhere in between and then you, you whiz along to whichever ground that you need to go to um, because I'm sure... Doncaster and Argyle will have thousands of fans at, at, at those two games. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, then you you are presenting it maybe on the, the council house balcony on Monday, which which would be pretty cool. I suppose. Yeah, and it'd be good for all the fans that can't get to Grimsby to see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I sure think either way. I mean, even if they had it at Grimsby, they would then show it again yeah. on Monday, yeah. wouldn't they? So yeah. I think the, the parade will always will get everything they need. I think. Great, and just finally, just wanted to congratulate Torquay on their survival in the National League. I think there were some extra and Argyle fans. You know, at the game supporting the team, and Chris, it's good to see, to see them stay up, isn't it? The fans have been through the ringer over the last. Yeah, years. I mean, you know, Argyle fans have, have had a rough time of it in recent years, and, and Torquay have, have had an even tougher time of it. Mm. And you know, to almost see their club end up in the National League South would have been uh, would have been terrible. And York City were one of the teams yes. that, uh, that yeah. slipped down, and you know, it was only last season that Argyle played York in the league, so that's a scary scary thought. But yeah, great for Torquay, Kevin Nicholson. You know, from the outside, I mean, I've not seen Torquay, but from the outside, he's He's had uh, a million and one things against him, but he's managed to keep talking up this season. And great to see, you know, Luke Young, Plymouth-born, yes. former Argyle player, player of the year again this season for the second time in his time at Playmore. You know, a, a great lad, Luke, and you know, congratulations to him and everyone at Torquay on staying up. And hopefully, you know, they've got issues going on behind the scenes, and it seems pretty complicated and complex to me. Mm. But hopefully, somehow, they can get that club stabilised and sorted out, and then start. You know, maybe not next season, but start looking to, to f- try and find a way back into the football league. And I'm sure Bear and their fans were probably partying, if not the same as maybe more than Argyle fans at the weekend. It's going to be huge for them to stay. Yeah, the very, very important result, wasn't it? And, and like you say, I think um, if falling out of the football league feels pretty pretty horrible, mm. I and mean, I imagine falling out of a conference mm. feels even worse because then you really are staring down the barrel of a gun. So, yes, I, I'd imagine they probably were just, just as happy as Argyle fans, yeah. Great, well thanks very much for um, joining us today. We'll be back next Monday. Will we be back next Monday, Chris? Yeah, we'll be next Monday, yeah. Yeah, yeah ahead of the parade, yeah. Yeah, yeah next Monday ahead of the parade. So um, thanks for listening. We are always happy to hear from you and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.